Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Ikuma, and I'm Shaw, and today is day 33 of our Bible in Year Challenge. If you've been with us from day one, I just want to wish you guys congratulations for remaining consistent up until now. And if you're just joining you, welcome to the family. It's never too late. And I hope God gives you the grace and the patience to remain with us till the end of this journey. Um once again happy new year welcome to a new year new dispensation 2023 so anyways all that being said we're moving right into the um message of today so when we look at the plagues i'm pretty sure it was not just me but before now looking at the plagues looking at the different things that happened the flies the locust blood i'd like to i want to think that I was not the only one that <laughs> knew this, like before today, before today. But it seemed like there was a pattern. That there was something God was trying to say through these plagues. Yes, I mean, he was trying to show his power, obviously, that he had power over nature, over everything, prove his strength. But there was more to that. Like, why didn't God rain snow or bring down snow or bring down rocks or bring down fire like in Sodom and Gomorrah? Why didn't God cause an earthquake? Why didn't God bring down cats and dogs from the sky? You know, like the the specifics, the flies, why was it flies? The locusts, why was it locusts? The disease, why was it boils? Like, why did God choose those things in particular to make up the tame plagues that was eventually used to bring out the people of Israel from Egypt? And today, thankfully, I finally found the answer to that. So apparently, the ten plagues, yes, they revealed God's power to the Egyptians. And then they also helped the Israelites to know who God really was. Who, who was this God that was saving them from hundreds of years of slavery. But also, this was a way of God to show his demon, to demonstrate and show his dominance over the gods of Egypt. You know, the Israelites have been living in Egypt for um, so many years, and even though they still kept to their culture, they still kept to their t- traditions, they probably still had a very vague idea of the God of their ancestors. But more than that, they had more influence of the Egyptian religion on their lives. I mean, they were living with these people. I mean, we'll see later through their journey with God in the wilderness that the gods of Egypt was so attached to these people's heart they were so used to seeing these gods to seeing all the sacrifices that were made with these gods probably human sacrifices you know Egyptian worship Egyptian olden days worship was very very I don't even know the word to describe it but yes there were there was human sacrifices in during their worship you know so they were just so used to seeing and you know obviously the gods had some power i mean they had that not as my god but they had some power because i mean their magicians were also able to like turn their stick to snakes so like these gods also had power so the israelites were so used to seeing the power of these gods that they probably thought okay these gods were they were they were who they said they were they were powerful and they probably worshipped them in their hearts worshipped them I mean, we'll see this when the Egyptians, the Israelites rather, would even create a golden calf later on in, in the desert to worship. So anyways, God chose these ten plagues to demonstrate his dominance 
over those false and lesser gods. Take for instance, we have um, Happy. Happy is the god of the Nile. And then God sends Moses to turn that Nile to blood. And not just the Nile, every single water with the Egyptians, both the one they had in their house, in their bathrooms, in their kitchen, everything turned to blood. Another instance is Heket. Heket is the um, Egyptian god of um, fertility and is often depicted as a frog. And then God uses Moses to send swarms of frogs on the Egyptians. We have Geb. Geb is the god of the earth, the Egyptian god of the earth. And then God sends locusts, like swarms of locusts covering everything, eating up every single green thing. First of all, I mean, it was even the hill of stones. The hill of stones destroyed all the trees, destroyed everything. And then the remnant, even the small one that the Egyptians were managing, the locusts swallowed and destroyed everything. And then we have Kipri. Kipri is the Egyptian god of creation and rebirth. And we have God sending flies. Flies are kind of connected to death because, I mean, they are always around things that are, things that are dead and rotten. And then now today we see one, we see the second to the last plague, darkness. Obviously, a very popular Egyptian god is Ra. Ra is the sun god, god of the sun. And then God causes total darkness for a whole three days, such that nobody could even leave their house. You see that these plagues, at each plague, God was demonstrating his power and dominance over the gods of Egypt. Even initially, when Moses came to Pharaoh, showing him those first um, miracles, um, turning his stick to snakes, and then the magicians, Pharaoh also called magicians, and they would do the same thing. Even when Moses turned Nile to blood, the magicians were able to replicate. But we see that in the later plagues, the magicians could not replicate that. They could not even imitate, they could not mimic. That was God showing how much more powerful he was than these gods. That was God showing the Israelites that all the things they had seen in all their years in Egypt, it was nothing compared to what he could do. Another thing I'd like to um, take, let us know today and take home with us today is that God's power and authority supersedes the outcome of our free will and choices so yesterday i was talking about how we still have free will regardless of the fact that god knows the end from the beginning that doesn't mean that we don't have free will it means that god's power is right above our free will and one thing i think i forgot to add yesterday but it's not too late is that whether we say yes to god or we say no we use the power of our free will to make that choice God is not limited by that. He can still work. He can still take dominance. He can still act regardless of whatever choice we make. Regardless of whether Pharaoh was going to let the people of Israel go from day one or whether he waited out till the 10 plagues, God was still going to set the Israelites free. Nothing was going to change that. Regardless of whatever Jacob did, whether he stole his brother's birthright and his um, inheritance or not, he was still going to be the ancestors of the chosen people. Regardless of whether um, people sinned and people did not worship God in the days of Noah, God was still going to send down the rain and destroy the earth and remain. And the people that remained were only the people that worshipped me. Like, all throughout the stories that we've read, even so far, the few stories that we've managed to cover, 
not to talk of the numerous ones that we've not even covered yet not to talk of what is even happening now in our time god still can show his power and show his strength regardless of whatever we do whatever choices we make so let's just keep that in mind if you want to be stubborn with god if you don't want to be stubborn with god if you say yes if you say no god will still be god and he can still what do what he wants to do so let's just put that in mind second or thirdly is that false repentance has a time limit so one of the things i see very frequently that another pattern with pharaoh and moses is that when moses to come to pharaoh okay let the israelites go pharaoh refused adamantly refused and then moses will threaten to bring down a plague and then pharaoh will be like you know what go ahead and then the plague happens and then it becomes very serious and that they cannot even leave anymore and then pharaoh would be begging you know you guys can go you're free i'm not even you know what just go take your wahala and go and then by the time moses prays and then the plague goes Pharaoh's heart will be hardened again, and then he's going back to square one. No, you guys cannot go. You, we need you here. Or he would try to lie us. I mean, that would bring us to the next point, but he would not want to let them go again. And then Moses would threaten, and then another plague, and then Pharaoh asked for forgiveness and repentance. And then it's just like it has been happening all over, all through the 10 plagues until the 10th one. And then, I mean, I don't want to give you guys a spoiler, but until the last plague and then even when he finally lets the people go he still chases after them because he hardened his heart yet once again and then we will see how that will end out but what i just want to take out from that is that false repentance has a time limit most of the time you are very used to taking god's mercy and grace for granted i have done that i'm pretty pretty sure you have done that just because we feel like god is so forgiving so merciful to the extent that we can literally take out years of sin we just between within seconds and minutes and then we're back to being all good with god doesn't mean we should take that for granted because all of that will last only for a limited time with pharaoh it was over 10 plagues with us we don't know if it will be shorter we don't know if it will be longer but it will end and we do not want to regret when that happens we do not want to be on the wrong side so don't take god's grace for granted don't take his mercy and his forgiveness for granted because just like saint paul says shall we now abound in sin so that grace may prevail no god's grace is to help us through sin not to let us or keep us in that sin now to the next point there is no bargaining with God because he has already made it, made the whole process, made this relationship with him as easy and as accessible as possible. So we see where Pharaoh was bargaining with Moses as well. First of all, he said, when Moses told him that, okay, he wanted to take the Israelites to the desert to go and worship God, he was like, you know what? why do why does why why do you guys need to even go and leave if you want to worship god worship god within egypt worship god here and it was was like no we can't worship god here because like you have all we are going to probably be using animals that you guys consider as unclean it might cost wahala no we don't want that we're going to go to the desert to the wilderness and then another time egypt and pharaoh was like you know what okay you guys can go but just the men the women and the children cannot go moses refused okay now he says no okay you guys can go but then not all your cattle not all your flocks but moses still refuses because 
it was not on his terms. He had no right to bargain. It wasn't Pharaoh bargaining with Moses. Moses knew that. Moses knew that it wasn't Pharaoh bargaining with him. It was Pharaoh bargaining with God. God had already instructed Moses on what he should do. And Moses was going to stick by that. And this is going to lead me to the main point, the main topic of today, which is probably, as you've seen, true worship. It wasn't just about Moses trying to find an excuse or trying to get on Pharaoh's nerves just so that he could get everybody and everything they owned out of Egypt. No, it was more of Moses realizing that the worship that he was going to give God in the wilderness was not from him. He was not worshipping God based on his own terms. He was giving God the worship that God wants, not the worship that he could give. Now here, going with just a few guys, just few men, or probably going with everyone and just maybe two goats or two rams or just few cattle, was him deciding the terms of worship. That means whatever few from what they had that they would that would go to the wilderness out of that would be what they would use to worship God. So what if God demanded everybody and everything as he had already and they were not able to offer that? How many times have we taken out of what we have to give God and not giving God our 100%? God says that he wants all us to worship him with our whole heart, with our whole mind, with all of our strength, with all of our being. How many times have we given God a portion of that, a part of that, rather than all? When we approach God, first of all, we say to him, Lord, how do we want to worship you today? How do you want us to worship you? What, what do you want us to offer you today? And the same Bible says that at the last supper jesus took bread and wine he gave thanks and he said eat of it this is my body take this all of you and drink of it first of all before i complete the sentence i just want to add that this is the best this is my best part in the holy mass i don't know probably because i know the significance i hope you guys do too if you don't i think i've done an episode on this or i've not i'll probably do an entire episode on the holy mass like we'll, we'll dissect everything and those of you those of you catholics that would say that holy mass is boring or probably non-catholics as well by the time you understand what is going on at each mass man you would love it i know i'm directing this a bit but i just need to say this growing up as a child obviously we're children we don't want to listen to all those lengthy words and boring stuff it was quite boring until i read this book I can't remember the book. I like I've literally been trying to get this book, but I cannot remember it. But this book literally dissected the mass. Like it was giving explanation why we say this, what we're saying, what we mean, the spiritual implication and all I can say is that the Holy Mass is just beautiful. Like there is I'm not even surprised that it is like the highest form of prayer ever because it is us worshipping God not as we want, but just as God wants, just as he has stated. Anyways, moving on. We'll see this. I'll explain. Um, where was I? So at last of all, Jesus took the bread and wine, gave text and said, Eat of it. This is my body. Take this, all of you, and drink of it. This is the blood of the new and eternal covenant. 
So you know of the old covenant, which is what we are reading all throughout the book of Leviticus, all the long stories, the bond offering, guilt offering, sin offering, bread offering, waver offering, everything offering, blood here and there, sacrifices. That is the old covenant. But even in the old covenant, we can see how meticulous, how detailed it is when God explains how we, how they, I mean, they, the Israelites, how they were to worship God down to the utensils, down to the table, the dimensioning, the place, the kind of curtains they should use, the color, the kind of sewing that should be done, the the um, kind of animals that should be sculpted, whether they should use gold, silver, bronze, or copper. Like it was so so detailed, and we realized that we are worshiping a God that is down to specifics. He is not a here and there God. It's not what is not added here or here. Go with the flow. This God is so so detailed. And if it was so detailed in an old covenant that an old covenant that was just based on the blood of sheep and animal, an old covenant that couldn't wipe away sins for good, how much more detailed would he be? In the new covenant, the new covenant that involved not just animals, but the blood of Jesus, his son. Not just Jesus, his son, but the blood of God himself. God sacrificing God to God. How much more detailed would that be? This is not just the new covenant. This is the new and the eternal covenant. Meaning there is no other covenant that is going to happen after this. This is the new. This is the final. This is the everything for the rest of eternity. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. For all time to come. This is the covenant between man and God. So now, when we think of that. Now we as the new Israelites living in the new covenant with God. Do you think by any chance... That God is going to let us give him worship just as we please or in, in, in whatever conditions that we seem fit. I, I find it very funny when I hear people say, I was not feeling that, I was not feeling that praise, I was not feeling that worship. Mass was quite boring. You know what? Let me even go, let me not even go here. I'm going to hit the nail on the head. I've had so many of my friends tell me, even very funny, funny enough, most of them disappointingly i would say we're catholics and they'll tell me no i'm not going to mass today i'll probably go to another place because mass is quite boring they don't have that song they don't have that vibe they don't dance enough they don't move around enough i don't understand it enough i'm not feeling mass why should what you feel matter (laughs) you're not worshiping yourself you're not serving yourself this is for god and I would say this one of the things that we don't notice is that when we choose to worship God on our terms or how we feel or base that on how we feel when we worship God in the way we want but not as God wants we are practicing idolatry because that worship is not going to go what is idolatry that is worshiping something else other than God you can't worship God if you are not worshiping it the way he wants that is the rule that is, I, I i said before you cannot bargain with god that is if you want to worship god you have to worship it the way he wants if you don't then you're not worshiping god you're probably worshiping yourself or worshiping another thing and you're practicing idolatry 
this was the same case that Israelites found themselves in. I think one of the best ways to read um these early books, especially the ones concerning the Israelites, is to put yourself in their shoes. It's very easy to judge the Israelites, you know, from a high point. Nah, these people were stubborn. These people do not love God. How could they do God? All these things after all the miracles. But when you come down to their level and you analyze these things, they're like, I read there are like four different ways to analyze the Bible. Four different ways. There is the literal way and then there is the spiritual way. So literal ways like reading things. I divert so much, honestly. <laughs> you know, I talk about this, we'll be great. We'll be extending this episode to an entire hour. Anyways, when you analyze it and you look at things from their point of view, we found out that we're very, very, in fact, we're more than a million percent similar to the Israelites in almost everything. The Israelites were in the wilderness, right? They were so used, like I said, they, they were living in Egypt for years. They were so used to worshipping gods that they could see. They could see the idols, they could see the carvings, they could see the sacrifices, they could see everything about these gods. And now they went through the wilderness and now they were supposed to worship a god that they could not see. That they could not physically see, they could not physically hear. It was so unused to them. They were used to giving the worship that pleased them to a God that was visible. That when it came to a God that was not visible in the way they wanted it to, they couldn't worship God that way. They couldn't give that worship. And what did they do? They brought out their golds, molded a golden calf, and they started worshiping it. In your case, it might not be you're going to get your earring or your jewels to go and mold a calf. No, in your case, it might be. God wants you to praise him today, right? But you just don't feel that vibe. Maybe your battery is dead. If you're like me, yeah? <laughs> I wake up one morning. This is just an instance of the numerous times we do this. I wake up one morning and I'm supposed to reflect and meditate. Um, when I started this whole habit of meditating, I started it with listening to songs. I put myself in the mood. I'll put on Hillsong Worship or I'll open my gospel playlist on Spotify and I'll just ease on those easy, very calming worship, those kind of worship music that'll be making you cry and repent. And then from there, I'll read my Bible audio, listen to that. And then I'll, like, it was also calming and very, very calming. I'll put on my AC, of course. Everything was on my terms. And then the next time, maybe probably next week, I'm trying to struggle against time. Probably I'm running late to go to work. My mom's shouting at me. I have thousands of chores to get done. I have to leave the house as soon as possible to beat the traffic. These are not my turns anymore. And I'm trying to find, trying to catch my breath. And now it comes to me again that I'm supposed to pray before I leave the house. I'm supposed to worship God. I'm like, you know what? No, it's not even time. Like, this is not the time. I'm not calm. I can't even find... You know what? My battery is even dead. I can't even play my playlist anymore. You're talking of it's Nepal has taken the light. There's no even light. So, you know what? When I come back, when I come back, possibly, when I come back, I would worship God and I'll do all those things. And when you come back, bruh, if your work is anything similar to mine, you'll be stressed. And then the only thing you want to do then is to sleep off. You might not have realized it, but at that time, you have committed idolatry. Because the worship you are supposed to give God was not on his terms, but on yours. So many times, we unconsciously set terms to worship God. Because the Holy Mass is boring, or possibly you cannot understand what's going on. You don't want to attend anymore. You want to go where they are beating drums. 
just because the song that they sang in church is not for you is not the bedu music you always wanted you go to where they're playing you know it just came to me where it says i don't know in one of the um, apocalyptic books i don't know which one exactly but it says in one of them that towards the end of time in the last days people will go to where they would hear what they want to hear people will go to preachers that will tell them what they want to hear in the last days people will go to places that they can worship the way they want them to the way they want to worship that is selflessness in love there is that is selfishness rather in love there is no selfishness love is all about giving what the other person wants love with god is all about worshiping him the way that he wants in today's psalms god states that the true sacrifice and worship he wants is thanksgiving not thanksgiving on our terms but on his and he falls and right after that i falls and they will call me in the days of trouble and i will answer them so many times we ask why is god not answering me why is God not hearing my prayers? Why is God so distant? It might happen with because of different there are numerous reasons why that could happen. But one of the reasons is you're probably not worshipping him. You sing song from morning to night, you pray from six to six. Unknown to you that those things are not even going to God because they are not on his terms. All this while we've seen how detailed um God wants or God wanted the Israelites to worship him. Now God has stated also how the new Israelites, which is us, how he wants us to worship him. Let us let us let us learn. Let us learn from this story and not do what they did. Let us not idolize God's worship and give him what he wants. God gave the Israelites freedom so that they could go to Mount Sinai and worship him God gives us freedom from sin gives us freedom from death from judgment so that we can give him the worship he wants and that guys is what true worship is all about thank you for listening this far so 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 glad I could get to share that with you guys today and I will see you tomorrow same time same place I think I've not said this in a while don't forget to share with your friends and bring them into the family bring them into this journey if this podcast has blessed you as much as it has blessed me you do not want to keep it to yourself so feel free to share with your friends your family and also leave a review if you think uh you want this podcast to be rated and so that other people also get to um experience all this goodness and also to keep you updated on new episodes since we'll be doing this daily you do not want to forget or miss out on any single episode subscribe and you'll be getting daily notifications on updates and with that i wish you guys an amazing and blessed day